Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the podcast where we believe that the best stories grow out of the soil of ordinary life. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And a few of my favorite ordinary things are sleeping in on Saturdays, rereading old books, and late night conversations with my teens. Lisa Jo, I love a fire in the wood stove, that first cup of coffee in the morning, and flannel sheets on the bed. As usual, we are recording on the third floor of Christie's 100-year-old farmhouse called Maplehurst. And while we wish and actually plan to invite all of you to join us here at some point, the next best thing is to get a copy of Christie's brand new book called Placemaker, which is a behind-the-scenes look at all the nooks and crannies of this very special place. In the words of one of our favorite online nesters, Michael and Smith, she says, if you appreciate beautiful stories about house and home and all the many ways places change us as we go about changing them, Placemaker is the book you've been waiting for. But Lisa Joe, Placemaker isn't just about this old house. It also tells the story of every place that came before, from our first tiny apartment in Texas to a condo in the big city of Chicago, from failed DIY to a barn raising and all the trees I fell in love with along the way. I recommend pre-ordering your copy today as a gift to your future self, and maybe as a gift to a few of your friends, too. Look for it wherever you like to buy books. It will be in your hands March 12th. Lisa Joe, last week, one of the special stories we told as we had this conversation about what it can look like to be with people who are grieving was a story that centered around a beautiful new tea tray. <laughs> so the, the wooden tea tray that you brought to me after I returned from Hawaii, where I had been with my sister after the death of her husband, Sean. And I have, I still have that tea tray down on my counter. I still have the little creamer you bought for me. Shaped like a cow. Shaped like a cow, <laughs> dribbling his little cream into the, into the teacup. And that conversation reminded both of us of how uh, many of our life stories mm-hmm. center around a cup of tea. And to be specific, not iced tea the way you would drink in the South, not cold tea, but hot creamy, so with milk, and in my case, sugar, not in yours, but in my case, (laughs) lots of sugar. (laughs) Peter's always like, I feel like tea is just a vehicle for sugar for you, (laughs) which may be true. (laughs) But yes, there's so many milestone moments when you look back that are defined by cups of tea. And so we thought today would be really fun to just sit here and share stories that I kid you not center around tea. Maybe our listeners should um, pause the episode right here. Go and make a cup of tea. tea. (laughs) Yes, go and make yourself a cup of tea. Or if you're driving in the car, maybe you have some tea or coffee. It's okay. We will (laughs) still love you if you're drinking coffee. Um, But now is a good good time to have a cup of tea next to you and get comfy because we have a lot of stories we realize that are really connected to this very ordinary everyday experience of making yourself tea. But honestly, Christy, it is the plumb line for comfort in my life that dates all the way back to my childhood. Growing up in South Africa, where we are, you know, inheriting from England, Mm. all of these traditions, tea is a huge, huge part of it. Did you drink tea as a kid? Oh, absolutely. Quite small? As a child. Ah. Yes. So, really, for me, the 
the tea loving journey <laughs> began in my childhood, probably in my infancy, because my mom nursed me and she drank tea That's all true. throughout you know, her pregnancy and her life. But I have very clear memories of life pausing in the afternoons for tea time. Every day? So when we were little kids, then yes, almost every day, especially when we would spend vacations on my grandparents' farm. Mm. So they lived in a part of South Africa called the Karoo. So imagine sort of scrubby, dry, desert-type um, fauna and flora. And it's very hot, which is why it's always funny to me because despite the heat, everybody stops for boiling hot tea in the middle of the afternoon. That's really hard for me to imagine. I know. They had this huge, beautiful, old colonial style farmhouse. And the name of the farm was Stradbroke. It was named after the Earl of Stradbroke, hmm. tucked away into the side of this big mountain with its flat top called Toffelbach, which is Table Mountain. So not the Table Mountain you think of when you think of Cape Town, but this would be on your journey, sort of still two days drive from Cape Town, is where you cross through the Karoo. It's sheep raising country, really hardy folk live there, but... I just remember the halls of this beautiful old farmhouse. But in the afternoons at four o'clock, my grandmother, who ruled that farm with an <laughs> iron fist, would stop everything, ring the tea bell. A tea bell. Oh, yes. <gasps> ring the tea bell. And wherever people were at work on the farm would stop and know to be back at the house by four. Okay, I have to ask about this. So I'm picturing a little handheld yes. bell, but could they, how, no. how would they hear so it? If you were in the house, you could hear it. Okay. But if you were working out somewhere, then usually in your mind, you, you knew. you're paying attention. It's four okay. o'clock, it's tea time. And so you'd break, come back to the house, come in, and then she would have this fine, spode oh, china wow. laid out. I mean, this extravagant tea set with hot tea, always a black tea. That's something we need to talk about a little bit because in the States, I know herbal teas are very popular, but in South Africa, always a black tea, always with milk, always with sugar. And my grandma had sugar cubes. Oh, I love sugar cubes. And silver, you know, Little pitchers tongs and, and tongs, mm. the whole shedang. And she would also have these doilies. I, it's so funny, the things that are coming to my mind. Do you know mm. what a doily is? You know, a little crochet I love a doily, doily yep. <laughs> that would drape over the milk pitcher oh, because to keep was out of keep flies. Out flies. Yeah. So we are in a farmhouse. There's no air conditioning. Mm. Big old farmhouse. She would have doilies draped over the milk. And she would also have like these big, beautiful old lace throws that would cover whatever the food spread was. Oh, wow. So if you're having tea, you're always having some kind of food with it. So maybe cucumber sandwiches, mm. maybe some cake. Maybe in South Africa, um, there's this amazing tart called a milk tart, which is a milk tart. And it's sort of a custard-like consistency in the center. It has a cinnamon sugar on top and a sweet sugar uh, sort of dough crust, um, but always something on the side too. So you would, or, or rusks. Oh my gosh, how could I forget rusks? <laughs> I try to think how to explain these to Americans. It's sort of like biscotti in the sense that it's something hard and dry that you dip. I don't know. Do you dip biscotti here? Is it's uh -huh. It is intended to dip. Usually in coffee or espresso. Right. But yes. So uh, rusks are intended to be dipped in tea and they're the best ones are buttermilk rusks. Mm. They're a little bit sweet and you dip them in your tea and then the tea softens it and you eat it and it becomes more and more crumbly. 
And these really are habits handed down from our British ancestors. And rusks were really invented around the period when South African settlers from Holland and England were trying to move into the inland and were out on their ox wagons traveling, you know, for months where fresh bread couldn't last. So rusks were developed as a way of bringing some kind of a bread-like substance with you and then you dip it in tea to soften Soften it and be able to eat it. And they lost Mm. for a really long time. So my childhood memories of being on the farm is that every day at four, grandma expected you to be at tea. So Mm. you'd come in, wash your hands, sit down at the beautiful table, the fine china, be corrected on where to place your elbows, Mm. how not to lean on the table, how not to slurp, how to stir gently, genteely, I should say, with your spoon and enjoy your tea. Can I just say, Lisa Joe, that I too have (laughs) memories, many fond memories of visiting my grandmother's farm. Really? No! Also in a hot, dry climate. (laughs) Uh, But this would be North Texas on the plains uh, in Comanche, Texas. Wow. In Comanche County. I love that. My memories are a little different. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I remember, Lisa Joe. First of all, no hot tea. (laughs) But at every gathering, big pitchers or jars, you know, vessels of two kinds of iced tea, Mm. also made with black tea, Mm. and they would be labeled usually sweet and unsweet or Mm non-sweet. And and most of my family, as I recall, preferred the very sweet Mm. iced tea. We did not sit at tables with fine spode (laughs) china. Instead, one of maybe my uncle would go out to the field and bring in uh, watermelons from the field, oh, and we would cut them good. right open. Yeah, big slabs of watermelon, like and just it. dig in mm. <laughs> with a spoon. Messy, maybe on the back porch if we were being careful. Um, and yet there was tea, so I guess mm. that I guess that's something we have in common. Yeah, but I did not grow up drinking tea in that British style mm-hmm. that you did. I did not grow up drinking hot tea. No one I knew as far as I can recall, drank hot tea. Um, the adults drank coffee. Okay. And then, again, if we were on the farm and it was a hot day, we drank iced tea. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to me to think, you know, so I grew up in a culture where tea was important, but it was that hot, um, often humid weather. And so iced tea was always, right. always on offer. And did you, do you feel like in America, iced tea... Still also, though, is intended to signify a break in whatever's happening, a gathering, it's communal. Yeah, not in my memories. It was just what was served with meals. Maybe we sipped it on the porch. But at least it, it didn't seem to register that same kind of pause, stop. It was a little more utilitarian. It was to cool you off after mm-hmm, you'd been working mm-hmm. hard, or it was to accompany the food at mealtime. Right. Because I feel like tea time in South Africa sort of has the same purpose as like siesta would in other right. cultures, right? It was an opportunity to say, let's pause, let's gather, let's connect, let's have some social time. And so even though those very formal tea time traditions you don't really see as much in South Africa, definitely still like on Sundays, for example, Uh, a lot of families will have tea time. Ours always does still hmm. on Sunday afternoons. Tea time is a pause and it's also still very beautiful. There's a tray, there's Spo China, Hmm. there's, you know, and the kids might have 
have just, you know, a mug that they're using for their teacups. But my children love a good tea party with the fancy china and opportunity to come and sit down. And even now for special occasions, you know, when my kids come home on Valentine's Day, I love to have a tea party set up on the table for them when they come home with heart cookies. And and listen, if you're listening and thinking, oh my word, I'm never going to do that. I am. <laughs> Christy can vouch for the fact that I am a non-Pinterest mom, okay? I am not crafty. I don't do super fancy traditions, but I have found tea is really easy. It's really accessible. You boil the water, you pour it over the tea bag. You might steep it if you're super fancy. You, we have, I love teapots. They're really fun. I love tea cozies that go over the teapot mm. to keep them warm. But I have really loved how in South African culture, tea time really was a pause mm. in the middle of your day. And what's funny is that it wasn't just a family tradition. When I, so I'm thinking now, fast forwarding from when I was a child through my teen and college years. But then when I was first married and I was pregnant and Peter and I were home living in South Africa, I got, which to this day, I believe to have been the greatest job I ever had. It was so much fun. I worked for the Pretoria News newspaper. That's what it was called, the Pretoria News. Pretoria is one of the capitals of South Africa. Their newspaper is called the Pretoria News. It's located right downtown Pretoria. And I was one of their copy editors, but I was a headline editor. So what my job was... I would tell my dad when a newspaper came out, oh, look, you know, this is this is my headline. And he'd be like, oh, you wrote this article? I'm like, no, no, I didn't. And he's like, oh, you edited this article? I'd be like, no, no, I didn't. I just wrote the headline. <laughs> headlines are, I took a journalism class in college. I remember headlines are hard to write. So that was my job. I, I give like, you credit. <laughs> I was like, you know, four or five, six, seven months pregnant. And I worked a few times a week. It wasn't even full time. But I would come in sit down at the computers. It was the hustle and bustle of a newsroom. Really, really fun. And we would get the copy it come up on the computers. And then our job was to put in the headlines. But when I arrived, I remember this wonderful elderly gentleman, Albert, came to meet me and to introduce himself and to ask me had I brought my teacup. And I said, what? What do you mean? He goes, you know, for tea time. And I was so amazed. And I said, "What, Albert, what do you mean? And and it turns out, I kid you not. So this wasn't even that long ago. It's like 2005. They, the newsroom itself, every day had tea time at 11 in the morning and at four in the afternoon. And Albert wow. was in charge of tea and he knew how everybody took their tea. I kid you not. Everyone gave him a mug. He would make the tea and there was a little tea trolley. I think you would say cart that he would come around the newsroom and hand out to everybody at their desk their mug of tea made just the way they liked it. Lisa I'm not Joe, even kidding you. We are doing life wrong. I know. That is clearly the way to live. Isn't that the That greatest? is a better way to live. <laughs> it was. I literally was like, I am in heaven right now, Albert. Here is how I like my tea. He knew how many scoops of sugar you took, how much milk you took, whether you liked rooibos tea or you liked black tea, if you did five roses tea, how you liked your tea. And he would come around in his adorable little cart twice a day and hand out tea. And you know, it's a newsroom, so it's still going. It's not like people could completely stop what they're doing, but there's that pause, right? Mm. As everyone smiles at Albert and gets their cup of tea and sort of says hi to the person next to them and checks in and sips their tea and then Albert would come back around and collect all the cups and wash them and set them up again for four o'clock. <laughs> I love that so much. I know. And it was maybe my for dream. our friends who are listening who are thinking, 
I don't even like tea. What does yes. this episode have to do with me? <laughs> maybe that's it. It's We're going to keep on telling stories about tea, but maybe what we're really talking about is the pause, yeah. the slowdown, mm-hmm. the stop, the rush, rush, bustle, right. bustle, pr- be productive, be productive, but mm-hmm. say, stop. It's just an opportunity for connection and in some cases for comfort. Mm. For me, tea has meant so many different things. It's felt like a thread that connects my family because my mom's Dutch family all would have tea time and my father's British family would have tea time. Where I worked has had tea time. Oh my gosh, church. So growing up, I think this we probably have in common and probably a lot of folks do. Remember when church would be like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesdays? I mean, there's like, (laughs) how much more? church could you possibly have in one week? And so we grew up going to church twice a day in the morning and the evening. But the great thing about evening church was tea. So after the service, oh my gosh, the memories that are flashing before me, we'd all be sitting in the sanctuary and you'd be having church. And then about 15 minutes you would before the the service was about to end, you would know it was about to end because all the old grandmas would get out, get up, not very subtly, right? They think they're being quiet, but it's super noisy. And they get up and tiptoe out the back. And then attached to our sanctuary, there was a little kitchen area. And you could hear from inside the church oh. sanctuary all the clattering, clinking, clinking the cl- of yes, cups. Yes. And then all the kids would be like, ooh, they're setting up the tea. They're setting up mm-hmm. the tea. And you could hear them. And they would, it was sort of like a little cafeteria serving counter, you know. They would roll up this little window and they'd have all the cups of tea put out. And, you know, it's a church event. So you would think, like we do now, you might have had disposable plastic cups or, you know, paper cups. But no, 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 no. Mm. These were ceramic teacups and saucers, Christy. Mm. They'd line up all the saucers and all the teacups in rows, and then they would have all the kettles, and they would pour the tea, and you would come and add your own milk or sugar every Sunday night. But the best part, of course, was the snacks, because there would always be snacks, too. And sometimes it would be, oh, all the things you don't like in America, like Marmite crackers. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, you know, Vegemite, everybody makes fun of it. But it's so weird how we would do it then. And and I still, to my day, it's one of my favorite snacks to make. It's like a cracker, maybe like a rye cracker with some butter and some Marmite and then some grated shredded cheese on Mm. it. Sounds weird, but it's the perfect saltiness. And then you have your sweet tea to go mm. with it. Or there would be cook sisters, which is sort of a twisted deep fried dough that's then dipped in a sort of a sugary honey coating oh, on wow. it. Or the previously mentioned milk tart or cucumber sandwiches. And every Sunday evening. Every Sunday evening there'd be something. And everybody would be on duty, would have tea duty. So that would uh, mean that you had to bring like a snack yeah. or whatever. And I remember when I was old enough to help in the kitchen, mm. it was so exciting to help set up tea for everybody. And as kids, you know, we love to be very fancy when we got our tea and sip it in the courtyard with our little pinky fingers <laughs> up, just like all the omas and opas that the grannies and grandpas would do. But I just remember that every Sunday night of my childhood, there was wow. tea after church. And I'm imagining now someone staying behind to wash and dry and, and put away did. all those cups. Yep. All the grandmas would stay. But and that's the kids, part of the, it was just part part of of the it. beauty of mm-hmm. it, too, to say, I'm willing to do this because this ritual And there are no dishwashers. Yeah. We were just, you rinse, I remember the sinks, the hot water, rinsing it out, stacking it out afterwards. But that means that on a Sunday night, which is sort of inconceivable to me now when I have kids of my own, to think about that. First of all, showing up for church, bringing the food, serving the food, 
And then it forces you to slow down and not just rush off after church, right? right? There you are. You're spending time talking, you're drinking tea, you're eating a snack, and then you're helping clean up and put away. And so, I mean, and there, are no, there are lots of churches in the States that have wonderful coffee shops and all kinds of ways of serving communal beverages. But I just remember that so vividly every night of my childhood, standing out with our tea mm. and our snack. And um, I don't remember what many of those services were about, but I vividly <laughs> <laughs> wow. It seems to me that if we're intent on making life always easier mm. and less effort and less work, mm-hmm. that we're cutting out some of the best stuff as well. Right. And it's not that much work when you think yeah. about it, right? How much how much effort does it really take to provide that? And one of the things that's been fun for me is introducing my friends to South African tea time. Because they'll come over and someone will drop off a kid, right? Or there's a play date and then they'll come in and we'll start doing that thing where you chat in the doorway. And then I'll always say, can I make you some tea? And often they will be hesitant or say they don't have time, but they have now learned about South African tea. Uh, And the reason why it's so wonderful is it's so sweet and milky and comforting. And so they'll come in and I'll always make tea. To me, if you're going to sit down to have conversation, why are you not drinking a cup of tea while you're doing it? And this is why I think our friendship has flourished so much, Christy, because when I walk into your house, the first thing you tell me is, can I make you some tea? I put the kettle on. It's so (laughs) wonderful. That's right. I put the kettle on. And why do I do that? I So, if I did not grow up with those rituals, well, in a way I did. They were in my books. Oh. I have always read a lot of classic British <laughs> children's <laughs> literature. literature. <laughs> so in and I was a bookworm, yes, <laughs> as yes, we've discussed as we on this podcast before. And so in my books, there was this what seemed to be the beauty. You mentioned the beauty of, of tea mm-hmm. time that, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't just the tea, but it was how beautiful it was, how beautifully it was presented. So in my books, there was this beauty that drew me, mm. this idea of everyone gathering around and slowing down and pausing and all of that was so appealing to me. So even if I wasn't at that time drinking tea myself, mm-hmm. I was at least familiar with this notion of a right. British tea time. And as I grew older, I, then I think it became an almost nostalgic thing to think about. It, even if I hadn't experienced it firsthand, it was so much a part of my childhood dreaming and imagining because mm-hmm. it had been in all of these books. What I love about it is the ritual, like tea time itself. So as opposed to just drinking a cup of tea, tea time, tea time is right. a ritual because it involves setting out deliberately, you know, a beautiful place settings. And it doesn't have to be fancy, but it's the deliberateness of it. So my children, for example, now are indoctrinated into tea. They love it too. And Zoe, my seven, nearly eight-year-old, one of her favorite things to do is to have a tea party. And Mm. her idea is, I mean, she gets little white napkins, paper napkins, and she just folds them into triangles. And Mm. then that's fancy, right? Mm -hmm. But they love to have a teacup and saucer, even Mm -hmm. though we will often just drink tea out of mugs. They enjoy it. So the ritual of tea is you put the water onto boil. You get the tea bags out. You pull down your beautiful teapots. You, you know, you pour the tea. You let it steep in the teapot. You call everybody to tea, and there's this anticipation of something delightful that's waiting for you. And you have my kids love the fun of the little sugar pot and the milk pitcher. And there's just something delightful about the entire ritual of tea mm-hmm. time. And you sit down. We don't have the TV on. You're together. It's a time to chat and to catch up and. 
it's comfort in a cup. <laughs> I like and that. Comfort in a cup. Yes. When my kids come home some days having had really hard days and they're crying or sad or feel misunderstood, or even when they're just overwhelmed or overtired, I'll hug them and then just whisper into their ear, do you need me to make you a cup of tea? And they're always like, yes, I do. <laughs> my teenage son the other night was up late studying and I heard him call to me, mom, can you make me some tea? Mm. And it's in our household now, a shorthand for, can you love me? You know, yeah. can you take care of me? And yeah. for someone who's not really, doesn't even aspire to be like Martha Stewart, because this is how you and I joke about how we're different, because you are very good at I definitely recipes. aspire. I definitely aspire to be. No. <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean is, yes. you know, and you're, I, I would say your adventurousness when it comes to cooking yeah. and preparing yeah. very fancy, beautiful desserts. For me, tea is just so simple, yeah. but it delivers that same kind of care and love yeah. for somebody and comfort. And in my own life, through my most sad moments, I have these memories of people making me tea. Mm. When my mom passed away, just so many people came over to bring us tea or my friends would come to take me out to tea. Mm. It just, it really is love and comfort in a cup. I had forgotten until we started talking. At least, I think I even told you before we started recording. Well, I don't have a lot of tea stories, I, but and I you predicted. Said, <laughs> you said, I think you'll discover you that you do. I had completely forgotten until just now that as a child there were shelves in our kitchen with special china teacups, and oh, this was my mom's yeah. teacup collection. And I knew that she, as a, I think as a child, had collected china teacups and so had her older sister my aunt who who I my aunt Connie but we I called her we called her sissy and so my mom and sissy collected teacups and when I went to sissy's home I would see her teacups and sometimes I, some of them matched I think maybe as girls mm -hmm. they had been given matching teacups and when sissy came to visit we would our one of our favorite traditions was that we would have and i had i was the oldest of four but i had two sisters have two sisters and so the three girls with my mom and my aunt we would have a proper lady tea party oh, i love that every time sissy came so fancy and we would set the table and we would dress up and we had i don't know where we had acquired them but we had <laughs> these feather boas oh that's so great <laughs> That's so great. And and so even if I, I can remember pictures now, sometimes we weren't even dressed up. We might be in our Texas summer mm -hmm. clothes, our shorts and our tank tops. But we would put on these feather boas mm. and we would have a tea party and we would use our little pinkies. Right. And my my um, aunt Sissy would tell us, okay, the whole time we're having our tea party, you, you can only speak in a proper lady voice. And so <laughs> we would have to... <laughs> speak in a certain way and it was just this hilarious fun ritual that See? we did every yes. time sissy came to visit and uh but those tikas i think that was you know being introduced to the the beauty of that that mm -hmm. pretty pretty china made an early impression on me well i goodness there might be other stories about sissy i'll tell in other episodes but she was very special to me and when i was 15 she and we shared a birthday we celebrate oh. birthdays together as often as we could but she um she passed away when i was 15 hmm. uh, uh, very unexpectedly uh, in a car accident and soon after that i was given by my mom um some of sissy's china oh, so i wow. i still have it's a royal albert pattern called, I think it's called Old Roses. It's a rose pattern. Mm. Anyway, now I see, I'm seeing lots of connections, right? Because you know, yes. I love gardening yes. and I love roses. So I inherited um, Sissy's China and have since then added to it because I am a 
uh, I love secondhand shopping too. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm in my local Goodwill probably once a week. But once I went in and I found stacks of dishes of that same pattern. Mm -hmm. So now I have lots of, of that um, old rose pattern. So I can serve a whole tea table now (laughs) (laughs) with, uh, with Sissy's pattern. So yeah, there were those formative experiences for me and it's, it, it, it's related to people special people, people I love and the connections that, that, you know, I had with them. Right. Because if you're listening, there's really no wrong way to do a tea party. It's Mm. about the fun of it. It's about the women that are connecting and bringing our daughters into a ritual that just feels very meaningful. I mean, my sons would at this point be like, what do you mean? Why can't we be part of it? They love tea too. (laughs) But I'm thinking of how um, when Meghan Markle got married to Prince Harry, I invited over all of my girlfriends and their daughters. They arrived at five o'clock in the morning. Everyone came in their pajamas and we did a tea party while we watched. My friend Amy had made cucumber sandwiches and I made tea and we had sugar and milk and we had rusks and we had, I'm trying to remember what else we had. We uh, really, oh, oh, the other great. Okay. So here's a simple recipe. The other great thing that we eat with tea in South Africa are scones, which in America, I think you pronounce scones. Mm -hmm. but it's a very different kind of a pastry. So in South Africa, it would be much more this equivalent. This is how I make them in the States. I just buy um, an American biscuits, you know, Mm. the biscuits that you can Uh do them in the Pillsbury roll and they pop open and you just put them in the oven. So a scone in South Africa looks like a biscuit Mm -hmm. here. And when they're warm, oh, you guys, you just slice them in half. Then you put a dollop of butter on. Then you put strawberry jam. And then you put thick clotted cream on top. So clotted cream is a little harder for us to come by, right? Right. Or you can just use Cool Whip is fine too. Cool Whip, okay. (laughs) Or you can just buy like a thick cream and beat it really hard is what we do as well. So really any version is fine. You can spray it out of a spray can bottle. My kids love that too. We have done all of the versions. But tea with those kind of biscuits with jam and you can do different kinds of jam. Like in South Africa, for example, apricot jam is very, Mm. very popular or marmalade, Mm. strawberry jam, um, not so much grape, but you would get those sort of um, citrusy flavors they'll have, but always with some kind of cream on top of it. Um, And so that morning of Meghan Markle's wedding, we had this whole array and all of our daughters (laughs) sipping their tea and eating their snacks. And it wasn't super fancy, but it was super fun and meaningful. And it's a memory my daughter will still talk about. Remember when we watched the princess wedding and we had tea? Aww, the princess wedding. <laughs> yes, the I princess love wedding. that. Because a, a good tea party makes you feel like a princess. My friend Amy hosted a tea party then later in the year and invited all of us over with our daughters. And then my friend Nalisa, who's from the Philippines originally, she told me she's only ever thought of tea as a pretty bitter drink because of how they traditionally make it over there. So when Ah. she had it the way I make it in a British way, she said, oh, it's so sweet. (laughs) Peter laughed and was like, well, that's how Lisa (laughs) Joe makes it. I don't know that it's necessarily (laughs) traditional. But when we were over at their house recently, she was so excited. and was like, Lisa Joe, I bought your tea. Do you want to make South African tea? And I laughed so hard because she had, she's like, look, and she had boiled the water and made the black tea and had the milk and the sugar. And it was just this beautiful connection point and where I felt like it wasn't about the tea anymore, right? It's mm. this this thing we have in common, mm. whether it's, you know, Filipino tea or South African tea. It's this moment of connection that we're sharing because we've agreed to slow down together. And speaking of practical recipes, if you think, oh, I don't like black tea, I've tried it. The secret, even if you don't add sugar, the secret is 
the milk. You've oh, it's got the to milk. have yes. lashings of milk. And better if you use creamer. I mean, the, yeah. you know, the richer, the better, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, right. What makes a good cup of British tea really is the milk and sugar, um, because that's what raises it, I think, to the level of comfort that I always describe like a hug from the inside. Mm. It just warms up your all those inside spots that you have. And it becomes a living sipping memory book. Every oh. time I drink tea, is, I, it takes me back to all kinds of places. A living sipping memory book. I love that. So when you go to the grocery store, do you just buy a box that says black tea? I buy, um, there's a brand called Red Rose Tea here, I think. Oh, or can Red you find Roses. that here? Because mm-hmm. I know it, but I, yeah. I felt like it's harder to find My around here. My favorite tea brand from South Africa is called Five Roses. Okay. It's funny. It's funny how ad jingles stick in your head from my childhood. There's a jingle that goes, nobody makes better tea than you and five roses. <laughs> oh, well done. I, I just sang on our show. You should be on radio, Lisa Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I should do jingles. But I try to look for something that's in the five roses genre. I also really enjoy like English breakfast tea. Mm-hmm. Just a, that's a good black tea. Can we link to these on our, our yes, podcast Amazon storefront? We'll so. put a link here in the show notes, but we have a little Amazon storefront for out of the ordinary and we'll put a bunch of our favorite tea resources over there so you can check them out. You can even buy, I have learned this, rusks, true South African oh. rusks on Amazon. My husband was horrified because if you buy them in South Africa, they're the equivalent of a box of rusks for maybe $5. And I bought them for $22 oh. a box. <laughs> Totally worth it. And my aunt and uncle, my mom's youngest sister, just my dear, dear aunt, they live in the Cape in South Africa and they were in America traveling and they came and spent several days with us. And so I ordered rusks so we would have them ready. But you know, this is like gold, like these, oh. they cost me so much money. And when I eat them, it's very sparingly, but they were so ecstatic. They'd been on a business trip through the U.S. and my uncle is a professor and they were so homesick and it was about five weeks they'd been away from home. And when they discovered that I had tea and rusks, we blew through that box of rusks in two days. <laughs> I wanted to be like, wait, savor, slow down. But it was just so special because when they saw it, it was so meaningful to them. I mean, they were moved almost to tears and we would have dinner We'd have tea after dinner. Then we'd all sit around and just talk for hours and hours and hours. And then it would be around 10 and we'd be getting ready for bed. And Uncle Chris would always say, oh, just a cup of tea. I think a cup of tea before bed. And then we'd always make one last cup of tea and one more round of rusks. And then it would be bed. So one more super practical question for you. Can you drink? So black tea has caffeine. It does. Can you drink a regular cup of black tea Right before you go to so bed? So I can, but I mean, you can buy caffeine-free teas as well, even That's black tea. That's what I tea. do, yeah, yeah, for the evening. Right. And then maybe it's just that I'm immune after all these maybe. years of just yeah. drinking it and never thinking. I know that, you know, rooibos tea, how do you say that here? I don't know. I like how you said it. <laughs> do you say ro- ro- rooibos or I don't know how they pronounce it in the States? R- rubos. Rubos. Is rubos? that how you guys say it? I think so. So ro- it's pronounced rooibos because it means red bush. Okay. Because the tea leaf is red and that's where the name comes from. And so that has no caffeine, right? has no caffeine and it's very, very healthy for you actually. So my mm. dad's a doctor and he's often telling people how good rooibos tea mm. is for your system, particularly your digestive system. And often folks will give me the gift of rooibos tea, but 
I do not like it. As Christy knows, (laughs) I choose not to drink it. And so I always feel really bad because people are super excited to give me Uh, rooibos tea. And then I'm always like, oh, that's so great. (laughs) Then I give it to Christy. Yes, (laughs) because I like all kinds of tea. That's the other thing that's so interesting about us because while I've grown up loving tea so much, people are always gifting it to me. But if it's herbal, if it's anything other than straight up black tea, if Mm -hmm. it has mint, if it has lavender in it, if it has hints of citrus or pumpkin, and spice. I will never drink it mm-hmm. ever because I'm not curious that way. I know what tea should taste like and there's mm-hmm. only one kind. Whereas Christy, she's going to open up a plethora of right. options for what tea can be like. I think I will. I'll try to link on our storefront to all the different kinds of tea I like. And for me, it's um, it's about the time of day. It's also the mood. Mm. And, I'll, I'll and admit, the season? Do you do different season? on seasons? Oh, absolutely. And also, I'll say that I'm a coffee lover. So when I wake up first thing in the morning... That's what you want. I Right. I don't drink tea. I drink, I'll let myself have two cups of coffee in the morning. Mm -hmm. But then as it gets closer to lunchtime or especially early afternoon, I switch to tea. Okay. Okay. And especially if it's mid-afternoon and it's that traditional tea time, I want what you want, which is Mm -hmm. straight up good, strong black tea Mm -hmm. with lots of milk. I don't sweeten it, but a little something sweet with it Mm -hmm. is (laughs) You'll do dark chocolate sometimes. I do. I I like a little chocolate with my tea. But then I'll just keep on going. So I'm a little more careful with the caffeine in the evening, which means um, I might do an herbal tea. Mm -hmm. There's a, a, oh goodness, there's a spicy cinnamon orange tea by Good Earth that I love in the evening. If I'm feeling sick and I want to add honey to my tea oh, because yeah. my throat I'll do hurts. Sometimes. Yes. Maybe I'll do an herbal, I'll do a peppermint tea mm-hmm. or I'll do, um, there's a traditional medical or medicine, I think is the brand and they have a throat coat tea oh, that okay. I love and my, my older kids love. They love also sleepy time tea, which I think is the American celestial seasoning okay, tea. Okay. They'll do that in the evening. I could keep going, Lisa. I know. I love it. (laughs) There are all kinds of tea that that I, yeah, I am not, um, what what would be the right word? I'm not, I'm not, whatever the opposite of picky is. I'm a purist when it comes to tea. You're a purist and I am a. uh, Experimentalist. (laughs) Yes, I guess. I just, I'm greedy. Maybe I'm just greedy. You're a tea lover. You're a tea lover. You're a tea purist and I am just a tea lover. To me, if you say, would you like a cup of tea? You are telling me I'm going to deliver to you, Lisa Joe, a black tea with milk and sugar. And if that is not what you give me, I am as shocked as, and let's just go there. Here's a controversial issue that I laugh with my husband about all the time. I am as shocked when you give me herbal tea by the fact that you pronounce it herbal and you drop the H, which is Uh, bizarre that Americans do that. Why would you do that for herb? I always tell Peter, do you just (laughs) drop H off when you talk about houses or when you say hello? (laughs) Is it just, hello, come into my house? No, because then you'd have a Cockney accent, right? right? right. So to me, that's the funniest thing that we talk about herbal teas here in America, because in South Africa, they would say herbal. Interesting. Yeah, they would pronounce the H, but they wouldn't serve it to you, especially not at church. Church is a very particular place when it comes to tea. Mm. And I think we talked about this in one of our previous episodes about the equivalent of what will be at every South African tea food-wise, how there's always going to be quiche. We didn't talk about that, (laughs) but there's always going to be quiche. Quiche and hot tea are going to go hand in hand with one another. We like coffee too in South Africa. Okay. Nescafe is really, when I think about like South African coffees that you buy in the grocery store. So like an instant coffee? 
No, no. If you oh, were okay. buying an instant coffee, like if you're buying it off the shelf, then a Nescafe is kind okay. of like the flavors I grew up with. But okay. no, Starbucks just came to South Africa a few years ago. Mm. I think my parents took their kids and they waited in line for like my dad said like an hour and 45 oh, wow. minutes. So everybody <laughs> could get their first Starbucks. And then my dad told me that their son ordered tea and not coffee. Oh, good for him. <laughs> well so done. Funny. <laughs> well, Lisa Joe, we clearly, I, I can't keep talking at this point without going down downstairs and making a cup of tea it's that time of the afternoon literally i start to feel naked around four o'clock if i don't have a cup i'm always plagued by that sense of hmm something's not right right now and then i think oh it's my tea i don't have tea in my hand right now. so it's time not only for tea but it's time for us to take a pause time for us to go and get some tea and listeners this week what you are now challenged to do of course is to take a screenshot to let folks know you're listening to the tea time episode of out of the ordinary podcast and then take a picture of yourself please drinking out of your favorite cup or mug we won't judge you but do share a cup of tea with us this afternoon we raise our mugs or our cups to you too